0: Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Join in on a great conversation today with some of the world's great influencers as they showcase great advice and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony
1: D'Urso. Welcome. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We're going to chat with several gentlemen at the top of their category, Elite Entrepreneurs we're going to discuss Lead with a Story with Paul Smith and Kenny Tedford. And later in this episode, we have an insider's brief about the people for the ethical treatment of animals and the releasing of the 30th anniversary edition of Ingrid Newkirk's book, Free the Animals. Now, learning lessons can go over our heads sometimes. There's a lot to learn, isn't there? And you know, we simply cannot remember all the rules we've learned in our educational years or even after. Can you remember all the rules you've read in all the books over the years? There's a lot to it. Now, a great way, and perhaps the best way, to learn and to have it stick is when there is a story attached to it. Today's interview is very unique, as Paul is a storyteller, and after meeting Kenny, he wrote a book about him. And Kenny is amazing at telling stories, as you're going to hear in just a few moments. Now, if you're a leader, or a salesman, or a manager, or a marketer, that means everybody, this is going to help you get your point across and remember. And by the way, while we're at it, this is all about helping you and your friends turn your vision into reality. Meet Paul Smith and Kenny Tedford. Paul has written a number of books on storytelling to help managers, leaders, and salespeople. And Kenny is an amazing storyteller and has some great life lessons worth repeating. And for those listening on audio, the subtitle on one of the books about Kenny describes him in this way. It says, life through the eyes of a child trapped in a partially blind and deaf man's body. I'm going to let them tell you more about it. Let's bring them on. Hi, Paul and Kenny. Welcome to the Tony Dierso Show.
2: Hello. How are you doing?
1: Hey, Tony. Thanks for having us on. It's such a pleasure to have you. I'm really looking forward to discussing Lead With The Story and all the nuances that go with it. There's a lot to learn here, as I've just said in the little intro. So first, let's introduce our audience just a little bit more. Perhaps, Paul, tell us just a little bit about your, well, I've talked a little bit about your backstory that you're a storyteller, maybe a little bit about that and how perhaps you've run into
3: and met with Kenny. Yeah, thanks. So I I spent most of my career in in pretty typical corporate career type jobs, uh, a couple of years at Accenture and 20 years at the Procter and Gamble company in various levels of of management. But along that way, I just got fascinated with this concept of storytelling and and wanted to know more about it and use it to to be a better leader myself and I I read all the books I could find on the topic and Still didn't know how to do it very well. And so I started interviewing leaders that I, that I admired the most who I thought were particularly good at it, uh, first inside the company, but then outside the company. And at this point, I think I've probably interviewed uh, 300 or so CEOs, executives, leaders, salespeople, et cetera. Um, and uh, and, and that's, that research is what uh, became the content of the books that I wrote on the topic. The, the first one being lead with a story that you mentioned, um, but as I was... Uh, out kind of evangelizing this concept of storytelling. I was speaking at a a national storytelling convention at one point um, about that topic, about that book that had just come out. And I met uh, Kenny Tedford. Uh, He was also speaking at the same event on a different stage at the same time that I was. So um, uh, we didn't know each other, hadn't met, but we ended up sitting next to each other uh, a few hours later at somebody else's performance. And not knowing that we were, you know, performers on, on a stage ourselves just a few moments earlier um, and uh, just uh, struck up a great friendship. And that led to uh, me writing uh, us writing together the book Four Days with Kenny Tedford, uh, which is not only a, the, the kind of a chronicle of his life and, and his life lessons, uh, but uh, me and my family's reaction to hearing his life story in those four days at my house. So that's what brought us together and, and, and started off this uh, project called Four Days with Kenny Tedford.
1: Now, we're going to bring Kenny on in just a moment, but I'm very intrigued. What was it when you sat there and you just met him at the, at the speeches you were doing? What was it about Kenny that made you decide to write a
3: book about him? Well, first of all, I thought it was just pretty bold for a here's a, a deaf guy at a three day storytelling festival. I, I thought, you know, that's pretty courageous. I, I want to meet this guy. And so we ended up having lunch together that day. And over lunch, he just started telling me his life story, which was just fascinating. And um, I I had just signed a contract to write my second book at the time, which is called uh, Parenting with a Story. And when when I decided, you know, it's time to start researching that book, Kenny's the first person I thought of. Yeah, this guy's got to have some great life lessons. Let me call him the guy I met at that storytelling festival. Uh, And as I was interviewing him uh, over an hour and I recorded the, the conversation, At about minute 36, um, I asked him this question. I I was like, Kenny, these are all like fascinating stories. I just need one of them for my, my book. But like you could fill up a whole book with all these stories. Have you ever thought about writing a book? And he said, well, yeah, I'd love to. And my audience members always ask me for it. But I just writing is just one of the challenges that I have. I just I just can't do it very well. And that's when I said the thing that probably surprised me as much as it did him. I said, well, you know what, Kenny, I'll do it. I'll, I'll write your book. And and that was the thing. You know, and now I've committed to it, you know, uh, and it took a, a number of years. But we eventually uh, we eventually got through it. Kenny, what did you think when Paul was
1: telling you about what he does, that he writes books and then all of a sudden he drops it on you? He wants to write a book about you. Well, to be honest with
2: you, it when I first met Paul and uh, he said he would like to write a book about my life, I've been told that by people before. And he just never, you know, that. And so he told me, and I just thought, hey, great, you know, it'd be great if we can do it. But in my mind, you know, I thought, well, here's another person uh, making promises, you know. And I, and I know he lives in Ohio. I'm in Tennessee. And, you know, I don't see how this is going to work. And, you know, but I was honored that so he was willing to do it. And then, of course, I found out when I came home, I, he gave, um, I Googled him. Oh, Whatever do you want to call it, check on his background and, you know, his book. And I thought, why is he, and I did the same, why is he writing about me? All oh, his book is on business. And then it hit me about what I do when I go speaking in the past before I ever met Paul. I do a lot of conventions, you know, doctors and nurses and businesses. I talk about the population out there, the disability, like what I call, my group of people, um, and I was a job coach for 20-some years for people with disability and helped a lot of business to look in that area uh, of a population that nobody seems to market. And so, um, Paul and I kept talking back and forth, FaceTime, because at that time I never heard of Zoom. And um, before you knew it, I was in his house, so uh, and he spent four
1: days with his family. So it was it was a dream come true. I can imagine the excitement. And while the book was happening, while it was being written, did you have any aspirations of what you felt that people would get out of the book and how it would help them?
2: Yeah, all my life, I, even my parents before they passed away. Um, I've been talking about teachers and even strangers at Walmart. You know. Restaurant manager, uh, waitress. Um, I got a big voice because I'm deaf and I talk loud, but it's when I get excited. Um, so there would be people sitting behind me at the restaurant and come around and just say, like, can I have a hug? I love that story about you. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, and then she'll leave. I, get a hug, I gave her a hug and I looked at my friends at the table and I said, why do people keep doing that to me? It's embarrassing. She goes, because you're hilarious, that story you told, you need to hear that. So I, I realized um, growing up, I've been wanting to do a book for 35 years. I mean, I was already doing performance at conventions, big conventions, you know, as a performer, uh, motivational speaker. And um, but nothing, you know, a book never came out of it. It was just me doing it, did my thing and had a I mean, I loved it. I loved traveling. So I'll come home and, you know, go back to my regular eight to five job as a job coach and, and work with people. And I became a director for six years with the governor. And so that was a beautiful job and never dreamed that would ever happen. And then because of that, and then I got a master in storytelling in Johnson City. And so because of the master program, I went to this conference uh, to be a keynote speaker telling my cancer story and then just i just as a faithful man god brought it to, to happen and i met paul he
1: sat next to me and we got to know each other that's amazing kenny and for our audience we're going to get into some of kenny's stories in just a moment just a few more questions to kind of set the stage and then we're going to go into a little bit of storytelling so that you can see a little bit more of what we're talking about one of the things I'd like to know, Paul, is how long did it take to write this story? And there has to be some challenges. I mean, first of all, you both live quite a distance away from each other. And, and to me, I think it's a very unique, different book. Maybe there's a few questions there. Can you kind of take it from there and tell us about it?
3: Yeah, well, it was, I, unfortunately, it was several years in the making because, yeah, there were more difficulties than you would have, you know, normally. No, normally, when I interview people, I just, you know, I just call them on the phone and uh, have a conversation. Well, you, you can't do that when you're interviewing a deaf person. Um, and back then, the technology, you know, wasn't as quite as good as, you know, we're using right now. And so um, we we tried as best we could to have uh, in-person interviews. So that those first four days he spent at my house was certainly the, the uh, a large part of the interviews, but that wasn't enough. Um, we had uh, you know, maybe uh, a half a dozen or more, uh, probably more different uh, times where we would where, where I would interview him. And so sometimes I would drive to Tennessee and sometimes he would come here and sometimes we'd meet in the middle. And there were times there where he was visiting a friend of his in uh, in Baltimore and I would fly and meet them there. And, you know, we stayed at uh, at, at his house for a couple of days. So th- there were multiple times where I interviewed him over the course of several years. Um, but then there was all the typical challenges of, you know, finding a publisher. I mean, this, is you know, this wasn't a typical book. And certainly wasn't the kind of book that I typically write. So, you know, my my publisher at the time was the American Management Association, which now, which now is part of HarperCollins. You know, th- this is just not the kind of book that's in their wheelhouse. So they had no interest in it. And so it took me a, you know, a lot longer than usual to find an agent and find a publisher. And so uh, it, it definitely took longer than I thought. Plus, I had other commitments, you know, with other books I, w- I was writing. Uh, but it eventually all all came together. Um, and I appreciate Kenny's uh, patience and all that. We finally finally got it across the finish line. Unfortunately, literally right as the covid pandemic hit, we we literally the book launched um, and then we went out on book tour in March of 2020. So if you remember, that literally was right before everything stopped. And I think we had a five or six state um, set nine or 10 city uh, book tour through the south. And uh, just finished in Dallas, Texas, I think, or uh, Little Rock, and then uh, back to Cincinnati. And um, a week later, everything got shut down. So we just got the book tour done. And then, unfortunately, kind of everything came to, a, came to a halt. That
1: is quite an amazing story. Just in time. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues about Lead with the Story with Paul Smith and Kenny Tedford. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Say, do you employ or pay workers in other countries? You know, even if you don't yet, you may soon, especially now today with remote work being the norm, employees have more freedom than ever to move around. And this is very important. If you want your best people, you got to stay flexible. And so I'd like to tell you about Remote, R-E-M-O-T-E. They make it so easy for companies of all sizes to employ global teams as they take care of everything, international payroll, benefits, taxes, local compliance, you name it, they take care of it so that you can focus more on running your business. Remote helps you onboard full-time employees or contractors in countries all over the world in just minutes, and their platform is so easy to use. And you get access to everything they offer from payroll to compliance to benefits management and so forth for just one low rate. There's no hidden fees. There's no surprises ever. Just the best global employment solution in the business. And best of all, you get an even bigger discount. You can get your first employee free for 12 months and two months free for any additional employees onboarded during their first year. Just visit remote.com slash Tony and use promo code T-O-N-Y. Do this now and see why top global companies like GitLab trust remote to manage and pay their international teams. So whether you want to hire one person or a hundred, remote makes it so easy. Visit remote.com slash T-O-N-Y and use promo code T-O-N-Y to get started. That's R-E-M-O-T-E dot com slash T-O-N-Y, promo code Tony. Visit them today and get started.
0: You're listening to the Tony D'Irso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his
1: guest. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Irso show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is about Lead with a Story with Paul Smith and Kenny Tedford. And please check out my Elite Entrepreneur interviews on Apple Podcasts, or you can find everything back to day one at Tony. D-U-R-S-O dot com slash podcast. And now, back to the chat with Paul and Kenny. And as I understand it, Paul, the, the book is, it, it does have, or perhaps grammatically it includes, or it's part of, part of it is about Kenny's life. But there's a lot more to it. And, and I think there were lessons that you got, as well as
3: your family, in writing the book. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so... You know I, I I started this as just an idea to write a third you know a biography of Kenny Tedford, you know, this amazing man. Um, and then it was, well, let me write it in first person. you know I'll just help Kenny, you know through his own voice, I'll interview him and i'll I'll write his story you know in first person so that it's really Kenny's book. And then, in talking with our publisher, uh, we decided to kind of do a little bit of both, and it ended up being a project that's kind of like that book uh, Tuesdays with Maury, if you'll remember that. I think they made that into a movie. but it basically, it, was, it became a memoir of the time that Kenny and I spent together interviewing him. So it was it's written in my voice and his voice. It's me asking questions like you're asking us questions now. And then me writing the answers that he's giving me, telling me the stories of his life. But imagine that my wife and kids are like over my shoulder, like you know, these little puppy dogs, just, you know, listening to these stories, just mesmerized. You know, while I'm like madly typing away and trying to record everything. You know, my wife and kids are listening to these stories. And so the the book became, um, you know, not just Kenny's stories, but our me and my wife and kids reflecting on what he's telling us and the impact that it's having on us. You know, me as a husband, as a father, you know, my wife as a, you know, as a wife and a mother and, you know, how it's impacting our kids. And so it kind of goes back and forth between me asking a question and Kenny telling one of his life stories and then. The rest of us trying to figure out the life lessons that we can draw from that. So we try to summarize you know, some of those lessons at the end. But, but mostly you just go through Kenny's life and just, and just learn from the wisdom of it all. We're talking about Lead With A Story with Paul Smith and Kenny
1: Tedford. And you can find more of the books. You can find out the books that we're talking about. You can find out more about Paul and Kenny at leadwithastory.com. That's L-E-A-D. W-I-T-H, the letter A-S-T-O-R-Y, leadwiththestory.com. Kenny, I want to get into some storytelling here. Can you tell us about the day you were born?
2: Well, that was interesting. Um, as other life began, I was, my parents were visiting my father's sister, which is my aunt. Uh, I was raised in Dallas, but at this time... Uh, they were on vacation visiting his sisters and Jesse and Memphis. And somehow my mother was already um, seven months pregnant, and that was with me. And for some reason, she fell on a of step on the front porch, I believe. And the, I can't say why, but the biblical quote, whatever you call it, went around my neck and strangled me. And I had a lack of oxygen. She went into a lot of pain and they her to the hospital and they had to do that, you know, cut her belly open, whatever it is, and, you know, and pull me out uh, as an incubator. I was born two months early, but I was born with lack of oxygen. So I had brain damage, uh, legally blind in my left eye, paralysis on my whole left side of my body. I can feel, but not very much. Sometimes I see it that will blessing when my girlfriend gets mad at my church. She slapped me on the right side, not the left side. I mean, slap me on the left side, not on the right side. And then when my papa uh, give me a whipping, you know, pop on the butt, I turn my butt around to the left side, and daddy goes, no, 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 no. I know we, are, we don't have feelings, so give me, and I get the whipping in. And, um, so uh, again, I grew up with. Uh, I'm legally deaf. When I was born, I was totally deaf. My left ear, hard of in My right ear, and then my mother, like I said, I was the seventh child. She had nine children, and um, I was the only one born with a disability. And so, after a few months later, we went, you know, went back home. My father worked for the railroad. We took the train. Back in those days, with was so much fun riding the train. We rode the train from Memphis back to Dallas. And Dallas was a very famous harbor at the time for the railroad. And um, so that's where I was raised and, um, at that time. And then when I was eight, uh, around Christmas, my father died. I had a massive heart attack a week before Christmas. And then five months later, my mother died. Um, and then we went to live with my aunt that I mentioned earlier, my father's sister. So we left Dallas and went to live with them. And so it was, a, it was an amazing journey. Um, it was too much. A lot of it still was innocent because I didn't understand the language of being down to family didn't really speak to me much. And I did not know how to relive at that time. And nobody really looked at me, you know, and um, directly, you know. And so that, that was basically what my life was like. It was just alone. But I wasn't lonely. I was blessed with love. My, my father, I mean, if, if you buy the book, there's so many stories in there about my father and some story about my mom. But I give credit a great deal to my father for toughing me up. And, and he even told me when I was little, before he died, that I would be bullied and made fun of. Because at that time, I was labor retarded. And that's just, I was born in the very early 50s. And that's just the way it is. We were down for Hearty Hand. You speak funny. Uh, you if know, labor retarded, uh, mainly in mainly clad, but back then it was called retarded. So my first two years in school, in public school with other kids, I was labor retarded. But there's some really amazing stories, humor, uh, how all that came about. But I don't think that really affected me for many years.
1: Kenny, I've interviewed a lot of people. I've run into a lot of stories about adversity, being bankrupt, living on the streets, coming back—your story is amazing with what you've had to deal with. And for my audience, I'd like them—I'd like you—to pay a particular attention to this question. As I understand it, Kenny was told he would never finish the third grade. You've just heard some of the adversities that he had to deal with in, in growing up and living with—with this. With I guess we call it a disability, if that's the protocol and okay to say that there are these disabilities. And yet you ended up with a master's degree? Yes,
2: yes. I never that
1: was never part of my plan. Uh, I, I never even thought
2: I ever again, I didn't think I was going to pass the third so grade because I was told directly by the teachers and the principals um, that I'll never pass the third so grade. I would like to share one thing that stay with me to this day and we'll all to the end of my time. I, my grandmother told me years later, I started becoming a teenager, I kind of felt a lot of the stuff being called me and being different and labor. it did affect me. I mean, it gave me low self-esteem. Um, and, and I was slow because, you know, that, I had the mental capacity of, I, I don't read well, uh, understand things. But um, uh, my grandmother told me the story when you asked me about when I was born. I love the story myself, but uh, Back then, I mean, the men, family were not allowed to go into the, the mother, which was having the babies. Nobody was really allowed in there at that time. And my father would be in the waiting room, and everybody would be passing out cigars. And, and I never wanted to do that to a kid. I said, what if you don't smoke a cigar? What did they give you a cigarette? A water pipe? What? And so my grandmother, that's her son, my father's mother. And she had share with me because I thought, I told her when down my father chain. Because they had me, you know, a, a disabled son. And my grandma, you know, to, to, to talk like that, you know, let me tell you what your father did. And so the doctor, you know, the, the doctor will come in or, and say, I'm proud to tell you you have a five-pound baby boy, baby girl. And everybody, oh, and all the men start hugging each other, you know, passing out to guys. But the, the doctor came in and my parent, my father was in the waiting room. And he came up to my father was really sad. That's where it all began. The words we say are very powerful. It's like a blade. You you know, you can destroy a person's life with a word. But the doctor came in really sad, and he looked at my father and said, I'm sorry to tell you, but you have a retarded baby boy. Uh, He's going to have a lot of mental. He's born with brain damage. And he has other health issues. And my father just looked directly at me and he got a little closer to the doctor. (laughs) And he goes, say that again? He goes, you have a beautiful baby boy. Uh, you know, he's going to be fine. We'll, we're going to deal with the problems later. It's not nice to meet you, Mr. Tedford. And then he just left. And then my father passed out the cards. So that's how my dad was. He never looked down on me ever
1: once. I don't, you know, on of time, while he was on earth. I love it. Very fascinating, uh, Kenny, story. And I can't wait to get back to some more of those. Those are quite something full of adversity and just making things happen. And Paul, what I'd like to ask you about is, in the book, the last chapter, as I understand it, it has some lessons that have been learned. We've talked a little bit about this, and I'd like to ask if
3: you can share some of those lessons with us. Yeah, so, I mean, for example, um, we, we have a, a set of life lessons for, for everybody, uh, but there are also some lessons there for people in the business world. Uh, and since it sounds like that's who your audience is, maybe I would I would focus on that a little bit. Um, but probably these could be used for for anybody. Uh, for example, one of the things that we learned, my wife and I learned when Kenny was uh, was visiting us, is that we all have disabilities of some kind. Uh, all of us. Uh, and and Kenny's visit really made that obvious to us. And so it, it made other people's disabilities um, less disabling, I guess I would say. I mean, in fact, so when Kenny was planning, when we were planning the trip, I know that my my wife was a little concerned about him coming to our house and spending four days because she was worried that she wouldn't be able to make him comfortable in our home because she wasn't familiar with all of his challenges. And, um, you know, well, you know, he can't hear very well and he can't maybe speak very well and he has trouble moving around and will he be able to get up and down the stairs? And she was just very worried that she wouldn't be able to make him comfortable in our home. And then after four days, she, she said to me, You know, I was all worried about Kenny's disabilities, but it turns out Kenny wasn't worried about Kenny's disabilities. He lives with them every day and gets along just fine. So then she said, So now I've stopped worrying about them. And so, I, you know, every, everything is fine. This is the Tony D'Urso show where you can learn from the wisdom
1: and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues about Lead with the Story with Paul Smith and Kenny Tedford. But first, It's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Hey, did you know that according to the CDC, that one person dies every 36 seconds in the United States from cardiovascular disease and that one in four deaths are attributable to heart disease? So if you're not taking your heart health seriously, you need to act now. And now you can take an all natural daily supplement that not only protects your heart from free radicals and helps boost athletic performance as well. It's a brand new, specially formulated supplement with a powerful blend of essential nutrients, antioxidants, and botanicals to optimize your heart health naturally. SNAP Supplements Heart Health is loaded with naturally grown herbs and nutrients that work in partnership with you to keep your heart healthy and performance strong. I've been trying it out for over a month, and I got to tell you what I did. I take a number of supplements for all sorts of good reasons, probably the same as you, including green drinks. And I really wanted to see and feel the effectiveness of SNAP. So I set everything else aside that I normally took. And again, I'm just saying what I did. And I only took the SNAP supplements. And the result is that, well, I feel great. I'm full of energy. My brain feels sharp. And that's a really good thing. And with that, I'm sure that my heart and my blood are doing just fine. Snap Supplements is offering my listeners a 10% discount on their first purchase by using the link snapcardio.com/durso. That's slash durso s-n-a-p-c-a-r-d-i-o.com/d-u-r-s-o. snapcardio.com/durso. Try it out; your body will thank you.
0: You're listening to The Tony DiRso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest.
1: All right, we're back on The Tony DiRso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is about Lead with a Story with Paul Smith and Kenny Tedford. And now, back
3: to the chat with Paul and Kenny. And as we talked about that, we realized, yeah, we, we all have some disabilities that we learn to live with. For example, I am terrible at directions. Like, I mean, I literally, Tony, I've gotten lost in my own neighborhood, my own neighborhood more than once. OK, um, so our kids have learned if you want to get directions on where to go, something do not ask dad. Right, Go ask mom. And, you know, my wife, bless her heart, you know, math is just not her strong suit. And so our kids have learned if they have a math problem, go ask dad. You know, but yet, you know, so those are our disabilities. So we all have our own disabilities and our own superpowers. And um, it's it's not just that, oh, well, Kenny has disabilities and we don't. No, that's not true. We've all got things that we're good at and things that we're lousy at. And once you recognize that, uh, Kenny's not that different than we are.
1: Paul, that's really interesting. I just have to comment that my wife is like that with directions. She just has to go to one place, one time. And it doesn't matter where in the world it, it is. She can find her way to that place again. And we've, and she's done it in our world travels over and over again. As she says all the time, she has a compass in her head. <laughs> so so it, it is true that some of us are good at some things and uh, totally get it, totally get it. Me, I can guess a number immediately and always be very accurate no matter what, what the equation is. It's just absolutely amazing I can do that. There's three of us here today. I'm just teasing. (laughs) Another thing I wanted to ask Paul is um, leadership. There's leadership lessons learned from this. I think you've even written a book on leadership, but you've learned some amazing leadership points in your dealings with Kenny. And I'd love for you to share some of those
3: with us, Paul. Yeah. So one of them is just a heightened sense of people who have different challenges um, and and how you can help them be successful in the workplace. And uh, one of the things that made me realize is in my time with uh, P&G, I I recognized I worked on our our, uh, diaper business for a while, Pampers and Loves Diapers. And um, we got a a new president of that business unit at one point, and she had been challenging our packaging and why our packaging uh, looked the same. And specifically, she was complaining about the blonde haired, blue eyed, thumb sucking baby boy that was on the cover of the package. And she said, like, why do all the babies on our package have to look the same? You know, aren't there any girl babies that we, you know, aren't there any uh, Hispanic babies? Aren't there any African-American babies that use our product? Why do they all have to look the same? And, uh, you know, several of the the men on the team, you know, complained, oh, boy, we've changed our packaging so many times. It's always a hassle. You know, it's just fine. And she finally just yelled at them. <laughs> it's like, you know, why do all these babies have to look like you, Bob? You know, and, and it finally got through to everybody that, uh, yeah, we, we need to be more reflective of all of our consumers. And it took somebody to kind of shake us a little bit and it didn't hurt that it was the boss, you know, but, um, it, it, uh, it kind of shook us out of that. And just spending time with Kenny shakes me out of a lot of those things that are on autopilot that I hadn't thought of before. Um, and, uh, and I, I think some of those kind of ideas will come to you as you go through the book, you'll, you'll, you'll be shaken out of your autopilot.
1: I like that a lot. And I encourage everyone to check out the book. There's, there are gems in these books and they will help you in your business. They'll help you in your, your enterprise that you're building and everything. Kenny, I want to ask you a question along the same lines of leadership. I want to ask you for for some stories, but I'd love to know, have you learned, or maybe that's not the right way to say it, what have you learned in the way of leadership from your association with Paul and writing and writing the book?
2: To keep looking straight ahead. I mean, plan ahead, but at the same time, don't let other little things go you into another direction because you keep going different directions, You know, you're going to get dizzy. Um, so I've learned that a lot from Paul, uh, being you know, really direct and being me. Um, as a leader, in the, you know, I always try to set an example. I don't care if, if a person five years old, uh, if somebody is 12 years old, 18, 25, 30, all the way up, 16, uh, 80, 90. Um, I always be me. I'm not just going to be Kenny. And um, I don't know who else to be. So in leadership, if you have faith in other people and you believe in yourself, And then they have ideas You listen, as people have done with me. And so I try to inspire other people because I have been put down more than I want to imagine. Um, So all the time I've been called names, you know, worthless and never going to make past the third grade. I still believe in me, though. Um, I, I had to learn the difference in meaning of what people were talking to me but most all my life that I can even remember, when I was six, seven, when I talk or tell a story of something, even talk about my mama making breakfast, everybody around me, strangers in my own family, even classmates, would just laugh. They'd just be laughing. Oh my God, that's so funny! Kenny. You need to be a comedian. And I'm like, you know, I never understood it. i I got two worlds in my front of me. One is, I'm retarded, no good, worthless. I'm never going to pass the third You talk funny, um, you talk too loud, or your speech is horrible. Um, and then they are turn around and say, You need to be a comedian. You need to tell a story. And I really thought, most of, my, most of my life, I thought, there's no way. I mean, how can a guy like me, you know, that's not very really smart and uh, has a speech problem? And thank uh, came here. Um, I'm slow at learning words. But, you know, even I fool myself and find out, every time I look in the mirror, I'm me. And I have been taught by different groups, teachers, counselors, even psychiatrists. I've dealt with depression, low self-esteem. And I've taught counselors, psychiatrists. I'm not ashamed of it. Um, mental health is a very... Personal thing with everybody. You know, I think you may know more about my millionaire because that's my, my icon is it per se. I don't know what y'all say personality or whatever. Like Paul was with me, you know, God be with Paul. He spent 10 days in the car. I spent days with him in an electric car. And so, I mean, I was learning that we were no different. When I first met Paul, he wanted to do the book. I thought this guy is a big shot. I mean, he got four books out there. He worked a Pacha and Gamble by President. I don't know what I think there was his title. I don't know, but he was a big dog, you know, and he's going to go and write right away. But this little guy. So uh, it, it was beautiful. I mean, his friend, uh, great friendship came out of this. And uh, so I've been blessed. And, and so um, I hope I answered your question, um, but that's what I see as leadership is to be open-minded because people meet other people. I, was, I went to Gallaudet University to learn sign language. I love signing. I'll I be honest, I, be, I like signing. Um, so, like what we're doing now, I have a headphones on, and I'm doing my best to read your lips. Uh, I hear you talking, but if I take off my headphones and you talk, you know, I, I got to do better. I got to get really close to the screen. And so um, every deaf person is an individual. Every disability person is an individual. We're not all the same. You know, somebody here the kid, he's deaf. He's born with brain damage. He's legally blind. He's left out. He's got paralysis over here. I mean, if you read the book, there's a lot of other issues I've gone through, you know. And before you meet me, you already make a decision. Oh, my God. Like Paul. I mean, no offense, but Paul, his family, his wife, he's not the only one. Even today, I'm almost 70 years old in a year. And I still, people will be like, oh, my God, can not come and over for dinner? How do we communicate? You know, I don't know how to sign. You know, do do we have enough pad and pencils at the table? And I'm like, (laughs) get to know Kenny. Come on, get to know me first. But the fear that everybody's learning from the world, and that's what part sure to a lot of people are that growing up, you know, oh my God, don't at that handicap! Ooh, don't at that person that's blind. Oh my God, why are you touching that wheelchair? You know, and so um, we are the best educator in the world, people with disabilities, and we're all individual and be treated like an individual. So leadership is taking yourself and just be you. Just be you, but still learn. Like now I'm learning how to be a senior citizen and I'm loving it. I mean, I'm, I get to add that to my to or whatever you'll call it, you know. Now I'm a senior citizen, you know. And so I'm loving it, because now people are treating me like an old man. And then when I tell somebody two weeks ago I went to Walmart and the woman wasn't looking at me directly, but she was out saying things to me. Nice, I'm sure, like, how are you? Beautiful day. I said, I'm sorry, excuse me, but I have to relive, you know, I'm deaf. And she just went, oh, oh, my God, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh. And then she came around the counter and said, can I have a hug? Because I'm down. She goes, I did to you. How? <laughs> and I, I, I can't grab it. I went and gave her a hug. And so my point I'm trying to say is, is what we hear from everybody else. And I tell people, get to meet the person first. Don't judge them. I mean, we're judging other people if we get to meet them. And like Paul was freaking out and I guess his wife too I know, going down the stairs because I love telling the story people uh, first time I saw Paul people say hey how was your visit with Paul do y'all do good on writing on the book I said you know what and I it's a con- kind of humor I said do you know where Paul and his wife put me in the house no in the basement that's where they kept the dog, you know, uh, and so my friend goes, he did, and then see automatically, I got him thinking negative with Paul, but even though I was just playing, and I got oh, get a life, I said, I chose the basement, because he has a recliner down there, I don't like sleeping in bed, and so it was beautiful, so I'm so grateful that Paul and his family, especially his boys, uh, his youngest boy would, you know, both of them we really learned a lot of things. Uh, so that's what I love doing with my book, is that get to know me, get to know you, get to know Paul. And so each one of us has our own
1: gift to give to others, and we all have stories to tell. I absolutely love that. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues about Lead with the story with Paul Smith and Kenny Tedford. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. BAMs. Are you accepting credit cards in your business? Of course you are. And if you're not, then you definitely should be. But did you know that Stripe is not your only or best option for payment processing? Get paid well with BAMS. BAMS is a national payment solution provider with automated next day deposits and major savings when compared directly to Stripe, PayPal, and Square. BAMS provides competitive pricing and deposits directly into your bank account in as little as 12 hours. Visit BAMS.com paywell for a limited time and get a $50 Visa gift card after completing your rate analysis. To see how much you can save, visit BAMS.com slash paywell today to start saving. That's B-A-M-S dot slash P-A-Y-W-E-L-L.
0: You're listening to the Tony D'Erso Show with special VIP
1: guests. Now back to Tony and his guest. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is about Lead with a Story with Paul Smith and Kenny Tedford. And now, back to the chat with Paul and Kenny. We have a few minutes here. Can I get one story, uh, Kenny, on one of your favorite stories from the book? You've told a couple stories. Can I get one more? And then we'll ask Paul for his favorite story.
2: Well, I got to I got to I could tell you. If you're talking about leadership, I'm going to share something with you. When we look, when we think of other people being different, this it's very powerful for me. Um, I worked for Dolly Parton. I worked for Dollywood as a street character for two years, and it was a part-time job. And the other part-time job I worked at McDonald's uh, in Pigeon Four, Tennessee. And I worked at McDonald's in the morning when it opened, 6 a.m. Um, or 5 a.m. where they get in early, clean up, get ready, pick, clean up the parking lot, and that was my job. And I was kind of, a, in those days, if you tell people, I don't, I still to this day don't understand it, but in the, it, way many years ago, I was, a I don't know, middle-aged maybe, um, I love working for Dolly. Oh, Dollywood, she's a doll. I mean, sorry, she's a wonderful woman. <laughs> and a wonderful lady. And um, so I work in the morning from six till uh, noon. Had my lunch, because it was free, McDonald's. And then I went to work for Dollywood and became a joke character. I was a different character every season and, and welcomed mostly people with disability. That's what was my job. to make people in which uh, those that are blind, go talk to them when they come in. Ignore the hearing people and the normal people. We're normal, we're the best people to have, okay? So, I people around me I go to party. I was in high school. I do remember I was in high school. I, no, I was. Uh, I can't. I think I was in high school. I, church. I take that back. in with church. And when we all get together, go to bowling. We go to party. Christmas party. People say, hey, Kenny, where do you work? And I say, well, I work, before I could even say Dollywood, I said, I went McDonald's. And they're going, oh. oh, oh, look, Janet wants to talk to me, not talking to you. And they go to another little uh, crowd. And I'm going, what is, is something wrong with McDonald's? And then I hear somebody in the crowd uh, say to, to ask Jim, hey Jim, what do you work? I went for Wendy. She goes, Oh, I love the little square hamper. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And they're chilly. And I'm going. What in the world is wrong with McDonald's? They're the most largest in the world, and they get more money to. Disability. I mean, kids with disability—they have these houses. They provide for family for kids with cancer, and it's like you to be ashamed to be working at McDonald's. And so I—that started sipping in like like a disease, you know, it goes in my pores, and and so I. I kept hearing that for several months and I thought oh, I can't do this anymore so I went and asked my boss for a bigger hat like a baseball cap and he goes why uh, my head's bloated I, it's gotten fat so I need a big hat he's going okay <laughs> so the real reason I wanted it because I can pull it down and have it throw down into my eyes because friends would still come to that McDonald's to get hamburgers and stuff before they go to Dollywood and I didn't want them to know I was working there. Oh. <laughs> so one day I was cleaning the table, and this black man, African-American, was sitting there, an older man, and like was like in his 70s or 80s. And I, I had my head down. I was doing the table. <laughs> and then he looked at me. He said, can, can I see your eyes? And I went, can you see? Can you raise your head and pull the cap up?" <laughs> Uh, yeah. He goes, you might sit down? I'd like to have a talk with you. He, he, just, he knew it. He goes, are you a trained to work with oh. McDonald's? Uh, he goes, you're going to be over with me. I said, well, yeah. I got friends who are coming through the drive-through. They might know me. So? You're working. You got a great job. He goes, I tell you what. You have a dollar bill on you? Yeah. Well, I got one, too. Let, let's just change dollar bills. Okay. So he gave me a dollar bill. But I gave him one. And he look at it and go, you're just kind of old and dirty. But it's okay. And I'm thinking, well, I, you know, I love you, too. And I wrote it because my name is John. I said, well, I'm kidding. He goes, uh, "We well, might mind going up there and get two cups of coffee. But you use your dollar for your coffee, and you use my dollar, you know, take both dollars, and buy two cups of coffee. I thought this man was weird. He said, you come back, and I want you to take off the cap. <laughs> okay. the I have a story to tell. So I came back, gave him the coffee. I had my coffee. And he goes, let me share something with you. Did you get the two coffee? and nobody said anything? Uh-huh. But you had a dirty dollar bill and a beautiful dollar bill, a clean one. That was mine. Okay so you see, I'm black, you're white, and there's nothing to be a shame because I am actually the head director of Five McDonald's as a janitor and I'm checking on all the people who work here as custodians. I'm your boss. I, go, I said, I go get that little cap. I get the little one, you know, really small. He goes, you should never be a shame. We were who you are. He said, you're a pretty funny guy. I heard about you. Now I hear you work for Dollywood. Oh uh, yeah, I'm a tricker. And he, we just got to talking. and, then, but the bar came out and he saw the back of the guy that was, you know, uh, that was African-American. And he came over to me and said, can you be here for 30 minutes? Uh, I pointed to the black, the African-American and he goes, Oh, my God! Oh, I didn't know that was you, John. Oh, my God! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he walked away. He goes, isn't that neat about the power I have over white people? I go, shut up. <laughs> so it became really a, a, I loved it. So I got up. He got up and gave me the leave, And he said, give me a hug. And I go, great. So I gave him a hug. And, and so I went in that to my boss and said, give me back my freaking hat. And I made it smaller in the back. You can move it, you know. So I made it really small. And I saw some friends later that afternoon coming in. Go, hey, y'all, how you doing? I hope to see you at church. And they're all gone, You work here? Yes, I love it. You know what I see? The sunrise every morning that God gave us. The blessing of the sunrise coming over the mountain, Tennessee. So you see, I had a blessed job. And then I go straight to Dollywood and got to meet Dolly Parton.
1: (laughs) So I learned to appreciate, no matter where you were, appreciate it. Absolutely love that story. And there's so much I could comment on that. We've got just a few minutes. I wish I could just talk more about it. Absolutely great. Thank you so much, Kenny. Paul, I wanted to ask you for your favorite story in the book. We have just a few more moments. Can you tell us what, what really struck you the most?
3: Yeah, I won't do it. I won't do it as well as Kenny, but I will tell you briefly uh, my favorite stories about Kenny when he was in the third or fourth grade. Um, Of course, he was kind of relegated to the back of the room because they didn't have a special class for kids with disabilities. So he was in the regular class with the regular kids, but they just made him sit in the back and the teacher gave him a handful of crayons and some paper to, to, you know, to color with um and uh but they also had a a psychiatrist that would come by once a month or so to evaluate the kids especially the kids with special needs and one of the ways he would evaluate them is by looking at their drawings and so he would look at kenny's drawings and uh would always give him like low scores because his drawings weren't very colorful or weren't very interesting and so he thought that that correlated with his mental capability um, but uh, it was really just because you know the teacher had only given him three or four crayons. He had like a, a black, a white, and a red or something. That was it, you know. Uh, and eventually, uh, you know, the, he, Kenny was sad about that. And one one other teacher noticed him being sad and pulled him aside and asked him why. And he explained this, and she gave him one of those big, you know, sixty-four packs of crayons like all the other kids have, you know, and sent him off to 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 draw something properly. And he did that. And the next time of course, the psychiatrist came around. Kenny had this wonderful picture of a butterfly with all these colors and, you know, gave him an A plus. And it's just the, the, the lesson there is, you know, don't look at people who have these different abilities as, uh, as having less capability. You know, give them the same tools that you give anybody else and you'll be amazed at what they'll accomplish. And Again, that was a lesson, I think, you know, for me personally, but also a lesson that I I took into the office with me as well is, you know, give everybody the same tools and, and they can probably accomplish some of the same things. Paul, Kenny, we
1: spoke about quite a few things on leadership, on stories, on adversity, on differences. And sometimes it's just in our head that we think we have an adversity when we don't because we're better at something. Really good stories here. I know that this is very helpful to the entrepreneur world. You have to think about it because we all have what we have. We're all, as you mentioned, we have our superpower or our ability that makes us special. And if we use that and push that and work that, we can be successful and, and, and be grateful for what God has given us because here we are, we're living, we're breathing, we're listening to the show and we're learning. So that's all good. Gentlemen, I just want to say thank you so much. We discussed Lead with the Story with Paul Smith and Kenny Tedford. And you can find uh, about the books and about both of these gentlemen at leadwithastory.com. Gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for sharing with us today. I really, truly appreciated it. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us on, Tony. And here's an insider's brief about the people for the ethical treatment of animals and the releasing of the 30th anniversary of Ingrid Newkirk's book, Free the Animals. With us is Emily Trunnell, PhD, senior scientist for PETA. Good morning, Emily. Thanks for joining us today.
4: Good morning. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Why is PETA releasing Ingrid Newkirk's book, Free the Animals?
4: Uh, PETA's re-releasing the 30th anniversary edition of Free the Animals in part because of demand. It's a really, really good read. Um, I picked it up and I didn't put it down so I finished it the next day. It's, this, it's the true story of the beginnings of the animal rights movement in the U.S. and it's got you know, midnight raids of animal laboratories, animal rescues, government secrecy. It's got a love story intertwined with the whole thing. It's really everything you'd want um, from a good thriller book. And it's all true. Uh, The new 30th anniversary edition has a foreword from Joaquin Phoenix, uh, the Oscar winning actor who also recently bought the movie rights to the book, which is super exciting. Um, But it also has a new the 30th anniversary edition has a new afterword that I was really honored to be asked to write. And what we do in the afterword is we did intensive research to understand whether or not the experiments that were happening in the book at the time, you know, 30 to 40 years ago now, are still going on today. We found that, unfortunately, most of them are. Um, but we also, you know, describe how, what, you know, why this is happening and what we can do to stop it and what PETA is doing.
1: Why do experiments like this keep happening?
4: There, there are several reasons. Some of it has to do with you know, the psychology of the experimenters and, and how scientific research is incentivized. And a lot of that is money. So uh, many people don't know that the, the U.S. federal government funds most of this research um, you know, to the tune of $20 billion a year goes into animal experiments. And when a, when a university, when a researcher at a university gets one of these federal grants, the university takes a ton of money right off the top and can do whatever they want with it. So there's a big incentive for experimenters to just keep applying for and getting these grants. And there's really little oversight as to whether the experiments they're doing are actually humane or beneficial. And so this, is, this just happens with very little um, control over what's going on and, and is, is followed by, you know, money and reluctance to change.
1: It's all about the money. That never seems to get old. Emily, can you tell us about PETA's research modernization deal and perhaps the strategy behind that plan?
4: So, in, in the afterward, we discussed how, you know, like I said, how these experiments are still happening today, but, and you know, these are horrific things. These are decompression experiments, traumatic brain injuries of monkeys, um, blinding experiments. But it's not all doom and gloom. We do have a plan, and it's called the Research Modernization Deal. It's the first comprehensive strategy to entirely phase out the use of animals in biomedical research. It starts with the areas where there are the highest failure rates. Um, a lot of people don't know that 95% of drugs that, are, that go through animal testing end up failing in human trials. So we need something that, that has a better success rate than 95%. Um, the research modernization deal is endorsed by the National Medical Association and the National Hispanic Medical Association. So it, it's a physician-backed plan to, to make sure that in another 30 years, we're not still having this conversation.
1: That's really good to know. How will the research modernization deal benefit animals and improve the current research?
4: The research modernization deal will you know, first eliminate those experiments where there's the greatest harm to animals and the, the, the smallest benefit to humans. And, that, and that's a lot of this testing. Um, and it, it benefits humans because, like I said, 95% of the time these tests are failing anyway. And we could really be using more modern methods that are based in human biology instead of you know, mouse or monkey or dog biology that will have a far better chance of predicting you know, what, what will work for us and help physicians be able to better treat patients and, and patients can get, you know, get better quicker.
1: We really appreciate this insight, Emily. And where can our listeners find more information on this?
4: Listeners can visit PETA.org to get more information about the 30th anniversary edition of Free the Animals and to learn more about PETA's research modernization deal.
1: Hey, thanks for hanging out with me while I featured several elite entrepreneurs who took their vision to reality. We talked about lead with the story with Paul Smith and Kenny Tedford. And just for clarification, the book that Paul wrote for Kenny and with Kenny is called Four Days with Kenny Tedford. And I chose this, the title here, Lead with the Story, because while it's one of Paul's books and while it's the website, na- uh, .com, it really hits and impacts all of us as entrepreneurs and gets us to better understand why a story is so important, as I mentioned at the very beginning of introduction of this interview. Why is a story so important? And what I've learned myself is how we all have our adversity, or you could also put it in a positive way. Note, we all have our abilities, what we're good at, what we're really good at, and what we excel at, and how we can use that ability to move forward as well as bring on beings and people that have their abilities that help us with our company. And there's no such thing really as an adversity. Kenny Tedford, look at him. He's got a degree. This is amazing. He's made it, he's successful. He didn't sit back there on the couch and just say, oh, woe is me. He got up and he did something. He moved, he activated, he he excelled, he pushed, he persevered. Absolutely amazing, the stories. I just absolutely love it. And I'm going to give this back to you and say, what resonated the most with you? What stories did you learn from Paul and Kenny? I'd love to know, so please tell me. And I really look forward to your listening to my shows. I really appreciate that you've tuned in. Please tune in again next week. We have great guests all the time. And if you have any Apple device, please consider giving a kind review on Apple Podcasts. That really means a lot to help grow the show. And of course, most important, I say this all the time, but not enough, share this with a few friends because it's all about friends helping friends, all right? Use this and let's help you move on your journey to success. Thanks, remember, just take action. Success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. Sow good seeds, do good deeds, and join me on the next episode of The Tony D'Urso Show.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of The Tony D'Urso Show with his key influencers. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel.